This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I speak with Molly Burke, who is a YouTube sensation and motivational speaker. At the age of four, Molly was diagnosed with retinous pigmentosa, a rare retinal disease causing a loss of vision. Despite this obstacle, Molly chose to share her story and inspire others to fight stereotypes and find strength from adversity. Over the years, Molly's vision deteriorated, but her confidence and optimism only got stronger. As a student, she was bullied and struggled with depression and anxiety. It wasn't until she found the strength to face challenges and the courage to ask for help that she came to find her purpose, bringing hope to others. Today, Molly continues to travel the world as a motivational speaker and brings hope to others who may face similar battles. Molly and I met during our time with Johnson & Johnson, where we were able to learn the amazing progress they have done in the health industry. From working on the HIV vaccine to providing parents with the best products for their babies, Johnson & Johnson and their scientists have made discoveries that has continuously made a huge impact in our everyday lives. In the next few months, I will be sharing more incredible stories from the people who have made such amazing innovations and cannot wait to share their stories with you. Listen on to find out how Molly has overcome adversity and how Johnson & Johnson has created a company that is dedicated to creating a positive impact in our community. So much for joining us today. I'm here with Molly. We are at the Johnson and Johnson event, and I've been wanting to interview you, Molly, because you have such an inspiring story. So, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed at four years old with a rare genetic eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa, which caused the slow deterioration of my retina, causing progressive vision loss. And I ended up losing the majority of my vision at 14 back in 2008. And now I am a 24-year-old woman who travels the world sharing my story as a motivational speaker. And I also do YouTube and commercial modeling. And I have a ton of fun doing it. It's it's crazy. I you know 10 years ago, I, I, I didn't want to live. And now I'm living my dream. That is really incredible for me because a lot of people look at you right now. You have this incredible life that most people want to live, but it didn't start out like that. You had so many struggles, especially with how you were living with your disabilities. How do you usually come up from any of this stuff, right? I mean, we all go through with this, but you had so much more on your plate. That's what I always say is like at the end of the day, my story sounds really unique because most people don't go blind and get so severely bullied and become suicidal at such a young age. And really, my story isn't unique because at the end of the day, it's just one of overcoming challenge. And no matter who you are, what your circumstance is, you have to overcome challenge again and again and again in life. And there's no quick answer. There's no one fix it all solution. Unfortunately, that would make life a lot easier for all yeah. of us. It's we all have to go on our own journey of recovery, of healing, of rehabilitation, and of rebuilding our lives. And, you know, it wasn't a quick or an easy journey, but um, it was one definitely worth walking because who I am and, he and where I am today is, is somebody I'm proud of and I love and I'm happy with. And you also have a lot of similar fears that 
a lot of us do, right? So you do a lot of public speaking. <laughs> yes, which most people, when they hear that's my job, are like, oh my God, I would rather die. That's my biggest fear. But I'm the opposite. Like I come, I get on stage and I come alive. Like it's just where I probably feel like most myself and most comfortable is on stage in front of 20,000 people. <laughs> which for most people, that is really nerve wracking. Yeah. How do you not become fearful of that? How do you get rid of all of these fears that you have before talking to somebody that, you know, that is really inspiring for you or even to like thousands of people? Mm -hmm. How do you get out of that? I think there's there's two things. The biggest thing is is uh, the bigger the audience, actually, the easier it is. Really? I <laughs> struggle more to speak in front of 20 people than 20,000 people. The, the bigger the audience is, like the happier I feel because they bring you the energy and you can just be like this energy vampire and soak it all up. <laughs> but when it's a smaller group, like you have to provide all of the energy. And I mean, at the end of the day, the bigger the audience, the more likely you'll get at least one laugh at a bad joke. And that always feels good. So I find bigger the audience, easier it is. But really, um, I think you have to take your ego out of it. It's not about you getting up on that stage. You're, you're there to, especially as a motivational speaker, you're there to share a message. It's not about you. If you mess up, if you trip, if you fumble your words, if you forget, like you're there to just deliver a message. It's not about you. And when it's not about you, all of a sudden it doesn't matter if you mess up because you're just the conduit to deliver a message. That's really interesting because a lot of our fears is about ourselves, right? Yeah. But you're right. If you take yourself out of it and it's the reason why you're here is to help other people yeah. and to realize what they're also capable of. I feel like the ego is like what gets in so many people's way with, with everything in life. Like if you take your ego out of, out of situations, all of a sudden they become a lot easier and more successful. Yeah, that's so true because then it's not about you anymore. Yeah. It's about helping other people. It's going beyond yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's towards everybody that you are actually impacting. Yeah. So speaking of that, you have impacted so many people. You have a lot of followers. People are obsessed with you. <laughs> like, I don't know literally. about that, but thank you. <laughs> like literally obsessed with you, right? That you get recognized I when do. you're out and about. Yeah. How does that feel? Does that have, I mean, do you have fears about that? Like, do you have anxiety about that? Like how? <laughs> uh, you know, I love meeting people out in public. I think where it gets like a little stressful sometimes or nerve wracking is that most people can tell when somebody recognizes them and is walking over to them. I cannot. <laughs> so for me, it like comes right out of the blue. So I'm like, oh God, what was I just talking about? What was I just saying? How did I look? Like, you know, I can't like kind of like prepare myself to be approached, yeah. um, which is kind of nerve wracking sometimes. And I also feel bad because I feel like sometimes people get like more standoffish to approach me because they can't like make eye contact with mm -hmm. me and I can't like give them a smile and a nod it's like if to say like yeah it's cool come over so they just kind of stand there awkwardly and I have zero clue they're standing there and they like want to talk to me but I can't see that so I keep doing my thing and then they don't know when to approach <laughs> it like just becomes this whole thing for all of us it's like a cycle it's a cycle so usually it's nice when there's somebody else with me who can notice and like either give me the heads up like my mom will always be like I think somebody is currently trying to figure out if it's you or not because they keep <laughs> looking down at Instagram and looking back up at you and looking down at Instagram Aww. and looking back up. Um, or she'll be able to say, like, like a friend of mine will be like, I think somebody's walking up to you or it seems like you've been recognized. So that's always nice when they can kind of, like, give me a heads up. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes that doesn't happen and it's just this awkward situation. And I never want to assume when somebody's, like, standing close to me to be like, oh, do you know who I am? Is that you want to talk to me? You know? Talking so about ego, right? Right, exactly. <laughs>
But your mom is incredible. She's been with you for a long time. Obviously, she's your mom. Yeah, she's been with me for exactly 24 (laughs) years that I've been alive, and even longer than that, nine months before. So she's stuck by me. She's incredible. She supports you with so many different things, and she's pretty much also like your manager I mean you have a separate manager yeah. but she's another she's like my full-time assistant really I mean it's funny my, she's my mommy and my employee it's a, it's a funny line to walk but we're best friends like I could not do it without her and my dad and my brother and the rest of my actual management team like I I'm so fortunate to have so many incredible people on my side and even prior to all that you know like the medical team that supported me in my recovery I've had so many people I was just having this conversation with somebody else here at the Johnson and Johnson event about how nobody's truly ever self-made yeah because there's so many people who help provide opportunity guidance education support love all these things that add up to us becoming successful as humans. And so I've had so many people and and I recognize that I have not gotten here alone. There's so many different aspects to it, especially as you get bigger and bigger. So many more things needs to get done and you definitely, you're right, you can't do it on your own. So being here with Johnson & Johnson J&J, we saw a lot of really incredible things. What was the most valuable thing that you've learned so far being here and learning about all of the things that they're doing at J-Labs and what you've seen so far? Honestly, what was super inspiring to me learning about the history of J&J was just through and through how they have continued to stay dedicated to their mission and their morals and values as a company. And like the fact that in the 1800s, with a starting staff of 14, eight of them were women. Yeah. And still to this day, like how many female staff they have in power roles and as bosses running the ship. It's incredible because still to this day, you see a lot of companies that aren't like that. So back then to have been doing that, like they're just so progressive. And I feel like the whole day, everything I learned, I just kept thinking they were so ahead of their time and I think still are. Absolutely. And all of the things that they're doing in healthcare and everything that they're doing right now with the entrepreneurial aspect of it, when we went to J-Labs and we saw what they were doing with HIV, even the like soaps. And you also talked about eyesight because that's obviously (laughs) something that really, you know, you have to deal with every single day and they're helping everybody with so many different things. It's inspiring to see what they're doing and and to see the passion and the belief that all the staff that work there have for what they're doing. And I I think it speaks volumes when employees stick around in one company for a long time. It shows that they truly are happy and being treated well. And again, it's it's something unfortunately, like you see so much turnover in, in companies nowadays, so competitive and so many staff there yesterday were like, yeah, I've been working here my whole career. Yeah. I've been with Johnson Johnson for 50 years. And, and they like, don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really good sign. Like, I'm self-employed. I run my business because I can't work for other people. Like, there's so many, like, crappy jobs that that's I'm like, so oh, my good. God, I can't do it. And they're all so happy there that I'm like, oh. <laughs> Well, maybe I could do it. Just got to find the right company. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the things that really resonated with me as well, was that everyone was so passionate about this company and what they believe in. Mm -hmm. And to be so innovative with everything that they're doing. And it was just really inspiring for me to see as well. And also the group of people that they chose for this event. I felt like it was 
amazing to meet all of you. So diverse. Yes. Such a diverse group of people, which is so rare. There's so many times I go to, you know, social media events or brand trips and I'm like, oh, I'm like one of two minorities out of 15 people. Yeah. Or a lot of the time... Um, when you see diverse groups of people, disability is never included. Yeah, I, I, I just love, I love the group of people they've chosen for how truly diverse and, and unique the backgrounds are. Yeah, me too. And I feel like we all got along with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a really great group of people that we were doing. I mean, they picked us because we all are in some way doing good or being change makers or working hard to, to accomplish positivity for the world and those around us who follow us. And I think when you put a bunch of those people together, it's just like sparks fly. You get really empowered and fired up. And it's also what Johnson & Johnson is doing, is they want to create a positive impact in the world. And that shows also with the people that they want to surround themselves with who are going to influence other people because that's also their same motto. Yeah, definitely. When you travel, you travel a lot. We were talking about this before the interview. You're going to be traveling yes. all over after. We're here in New York right now, so you're going to be traveling all over the place. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you having a a disability traveling I mean for me new places aren't as much about like going to the art galleries and the museums and like taking beautiful photos with the pretty views like to me I love experiencing cities by their food and their culture and their shopping and all the stuff that I can experience and love in my own day-to-day -day life so I love travel and I'm fortunate that I get to do it so much with work it's also exhausting like I currently have a cold as you can probably hear and I'm just like so drained and tired. I just in the past two weeks was in South Korea and England and now I'm here in New York and then I'm going to Toronto tomorrow. I have a meeting the next day. Then I fly back to LA for five days. Then I'm in New York City again. Then I'm I think actually home for a while in LA and then back to New Jersey and it just continues from there. <laughs> it's never ending. I don't know how you're not constantly asleep. Um, <laughs> honestly, I am when I'm not when I'm not doing stuff like this. I am constantly asleep. My mom's always like, "God, it's amazing how much this girl can sleep." Like put me on a plane, a 6-hour plane ride, I sleep dead the entire way and then I get up, go to the hotel room and sleep all night. Like I'm just always chronically tired. <laughs> So Molly, one of the things a lot of people are really curious about with your type of lifestyle, because you have all of this freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's your business, right. is how you create income from it. How were you able to do that in the beginning and how do you continue to do that today? So um, before I became you know, a YouTuber and worked in kind of more traditional media like television and modeling, I was a full-time motivational speaker. So I toured for two years full-time before I started my business and left the company I was touring with to start my own speaking business. And as I was building that up, I started doing YouTube just as a fun hobby. And then I was approached to host TV shows. So I started doing that and it just kind of all exploded and grew from there and started doing some modeling, commercial modeling um, for like Dove and Samsung. And then the YouTube channel became big enough that I started making income off of AdSense revenue and 
brand deals. So, you know, it, it, I, there's multiple revenue streams, which I think is the best way to do it. Now I'm working on my merchandise line, which is super exciting, and another way to diversify income, which is important because you never know when another brand deal is going to come. You never know how good your AdSense check will be that month. You never know when your next good speaking engagement will be or your next audition that you'll get booked for. So it's really good to have multiple revenue streams and not rely on one thing, and I think it also allows me to be more picky I only say yes to brand deals I truly believe in and I'm passionate about. I only say yes to speaking engagements that I really want to do for audiences that feel like a good fit. And I, I feel lucky that I can do that and that I'm not just relying on brand deals where it's like, okay, I have to take this stupid, weird Best Fiends app that I have to promote <laughs> because I don't have any other options. I need to pay my bills, which, like, respect. We all got to pay our bills, yeah. you know? But I'm glad I don't have to do that, and I'm not in that position. Yeah, and you have the option to actually pick and choose what yeah. you want to do. And also, I think that's really important in the beginning to be true to your brand. At the end of the day, yeah. unless you've stayed true to your brand and, and been picky from the very beginning, you're not going to have a good, clean, high-end brand because you will have muddied those waters with other little nitty-gritty stupid things. And so I think, if especially within like social media, if you want to build social media into a career, which at the end of the day, I don't think should be your end goal because it's like saying I want to be an actor. Like you just don't, it's so hard. Like yeah. you don't know how that's going to end up. But I think the best way to pay your bills is to be a barista at Starbucks and hustle your ass off and not take little brand deals and hold out for those really, you know, those Fortune 500 companies, those companies who will not only pay better than like small companies, but who will also be pickier about what influencers they work with and will only make your brand look more established and more crisp, more clean, instead of looking like a, like a cheap brand that just goes for anything that comes their way. And I think we see a lot of that, right? It's just people taking anything and sometimes too free, which there's nothing wrong with that in the beginning, but you really have to be true to who you are because also your audience is seeing that and that also reflects on you as a person that they look up to as a public mm -hmm. figure as well. Yeah. So Molly, you have gone through so many things. What has been the biggest setback that you've ever encountered? Four years ago, four and a half years ago almost, uh, when I was in the height of my speaking career before I started everything else, I walked full speed ahead straight off a five foot stage and I'm only four foot ten and a half, so it was a large drop from Ollie onto oh concrete floor. That was a really big setback. I ended up developing PTSD. So the one thing I've done my whole life is public speak. I've been public mm -hmm. speaking since I was five. I've always been on stages. It's always been my comfort zone. And now that was shaken. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get on stage without having a panic attack and flashbacks, feel like I was falling. I couldn't eat. I was losing weight. I had all these crazy symptoms that now when you look at it are related to PTSD, but at the time I had no idea what it was. I had a very severe neck injury. I had to wear a really fashionable neck brace. <laughs> I ended up having to take a six-week medical leave from my speaking job, going through a lot of therapy and counseling, and ended up, at the end of the day, having to start medication, which is something I never really wanted to have to do, but I, I did. And at the end of, end of that medical leave, I ended up making the decision for my health to leave my job, and that's when I decided to start my business. And at the time that I was so sick, I felt like I was probably losing my whole career. Like I was losing my job. I felt like I was never going to be able to get up on stage again confidently and speak ever again. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was 20 years old. It was 
all I'd ever wanted to do was be a speaker, and now I was losing this job where I was traveling the world, working with A-list celebrities, speaking to 20,000 people at a time, and had a full-time assistant traveling with me everywhere, my own apartment, downtown Toronto. Like, I was living it up, you know? And, mm. and then right after I left my job and continued to repeal, and figure out what the next steps were. My best friend and guide dog of seven years very suddenly and unexpectedly passed away. Oh, wow. I was just in a really, really dark place. And I was supposed to release a book 10 days before my book tour. My dog died and I pulled mm -hmm. out of the book tour and yeah. chose not to publish the book. And I just felt like everything was crumbling down around me. Like it was just as bad as it was back in 2008 when I lost my vision and mm -hmm. my friends and everything I lived for. and. That was a huge setback in my career, but ultimately it led me to starting my own business and starting my YouTube channel and really ending up achieving my goal and my dream of, of working in entertainment in the traditional sense and in, in other senses. And so what, what felt like so much of a big setback ended up becoming my biggest blessing because now I'm happier than I ever was you know, speaking for another company and within like the first year of starting my business, I, I, and it's not about the money, but within one year of starting my own business, I made more money than I had on salary for the other company wow. and worked way less. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh wow, this really was the best decision. It was like, my family always says like, it was like angels pushed me off the stage. Mm -hmm. It's usually at that time when we are at our lowest, that's when we really get to know ourselves and what we're capable of. And you've already gone through so much stuff. And then it feels like another thing is being hit. It's like yeah, one thing after like, the next. Yeah, I was kind of like, didn't I already go through my midlife crisis early? Like, why do I have to go through this again? Don't we all just get like one pile of shit in our lives? But no, not not the case. And that's why I said earlier, like we all continue to have to face challenges again and again and again. And you continue to have to choose to get back up and fight for yourself. You know, you're lucky when you have people who will fight for you. But at the end of the day, you have to love yourself enough to fight too. No one is going to fight as hard as you. Nobody's going to love yourself as much yep. as you will. Nobody's going to care about you and fight for you as much as you will. You have to get to a point where you're so miserable and you choose to love yourself enough to want more for yourself and to get up and find it. That is something that you learn after, you know, like a midlife crisis, yeah. not midlife, but <laughs> after a huge Early obstacle. Early life crisis. Early life crisis, midlife crisis, old life crisis. Whenever it comes. <laughs> I just wish my life, midlife crisis, my early life crisis came with like the motorcycle or the Ferrari, like, like, <laughs> the, know, right? like the mid, midlife the, crisis. The does. red, yeah. like red convertible. Or like yeah, convertible. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> You've done a lot of public speaking, obviously, mm -hmm. and you've talked to so many different people and you've given a lot of advice, but what has been the worst advice you have received? I think one of the worst things that was done to me, it wasn't necessarily advice, but like it was, they kept telling me, the company I worked for kept being like, stay grounded, stay grounded, stay humble, stay humble, to the point where they would put me down to keep me there. And I was like, you don't have to pull, pull me down and hold me down to, to keep me humble. You know, I, I think that's like a really negative thing to do to somebody. And, you know, the reality is I live with mental illness and that is very grounding. Yeah. <laughs> that keeps you humble. And I also think it is really hard to get cocky when you walk out the door and try to get into your Uber and they drive away from you because you have a service dog. And when you get denied access and discriminated against every day because of who you are, it's really hard to get cocky. So... Yeah, I think that's like the worst thing somebody ever did to me was like drag me down in order to try to keep me from becoming like some sort of diva. 
you're right though i don't know if you can really be like that if you've already experienced so many things and you, you know what like it. when you've been through so much you just appreciate the good stuff yeah it's really hard to take stuff for granted when you know how bad it can get and i think because of what you have already done and what you've accomplished i think a lot of people are comparing you to somebody else you know that they have seen that do that maybe in your agency someone has right. done that but you can't compare someone else's reality to yours because it's so different and exactly I mean, meeting you, you're so positive and you have this really amazing energy that you just have around you, you, you know, and you don't even see a disability. Right. And it's, yeah. that's the thing. It's just like a human being. We're all and just human that, you beings. Know, that's what I, I really fight to show people is like everybody's society already has like such a negative view of what it means to be disabled. And I try really hard to break that and show like, no, there's like, yeah, of course there's negatives, but like there would be negatives if I wasn't disabled. Yeah. That's life. We all have negative things that we wish were different or could change. But it's about embracing those, learning how to deal with them, and then, you know, celebrating all the good stuff. And I love sharing all of the amazing parts that being blind has given me because I look at my blindness as, as a gift, as a positive. And who knows what you would have been if you weren't, right? You were given all of these different opportunities that you've done for yourself. So, yeah. <laughs> and all of the adversity that you had gone through led you to this point in your life, which yeah. is really incredible. You're I mean, only I feel 24. Like at 24, I yeah. feel like I'm, I have so much more passion and purpose and direction and sense of self and confidence than so many more people twice my age. Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't have that if it wasn't for what I went through. And people always say, I wish I could be as happy as Molly. I wish I could be as positive and optimistic as Molly. And I'm like, you can. I yeah. wasn't born this way. I was suicidal 10 years ago. Like, this was a choice. I worked on this through seeking therapy, through working on my spiritual, mental, and emotional health, through feeding my body good food, through reading self-help books. I choose to be positive and happy and optimistic. Mm -hmm. Everybody has that ability. Yeah, and I think that's what most people don't realize is you choose you choose, you get to choose it, right? Yeah. It doesn't just happen to you. Certain things. I could choose to sit back and be miserable and cry every day, or I could choose to sit here and like enjoy and celebrate the good stuff. And look at what you've done with your life because you chose to be positive and to create impact in other people's lives. So this mm -hmm. is really incredible. And what you're doing is making a difference in so many people's lives. Thank you. Let's fast forward to 50 years from now. <laughs> and you're looking back at your life. 74. <laughs> What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? The words I live by are educate, motivate, inspire. And I guess that's essentially the legacy I want to, I want to leave is I want people to feel like I impacted their, their life by educating, motivating, or inspiring them. You're already doing that right now, Molly. So you, it's just going to keep growing and growing and it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> so let's get to some fun questions. Some yes. people like myself, I nerd out on hiking and interviewing inspiring people like you. What about you, Molly? What do you nerd out on? That's a good question. If you asked me this like four years ago, Dr. Phil was like my embarrassing, guilty pleasure. Honestly, though, right, like for many, many, many years of my life, it's been, um, it sounds so morbid and creepy, like crime. I'm obsessed with crime. Oh my God, that's like, what I'm obsessed drugs, with. Drugs, murders, yeah. like give it to me. I want crooked cops. I want like the darkest stuff you can give me. Do you watch like the re um I watch like those documentaries? A ton of true crime documentaries. Oh my God. I read a ton of crime books. 
I love it all. I okay, so that's what I'm obsessed about right now too, especially like serial killers. Oh, all of yes. my friends are like all of my friends. Well, all my think friends think I'm weird. gonna murder them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, honestly, it would be me being like, Stop, stand still. Where are you? I'm gonna stab you. Like you know, it's like I would not be a successful serial yeah. killer. Um, but I I find it fascinating, like I even even just like um drug addiction and stuff like that, yeah. I find it fascinating because I like to try to understand things I don't understand. Yes. I like to be educated. Yeah. I like to be open-minded and accepting and learn I, I mean the way they tick right that's for me even for somebody who's yeah. not in the lgbtq plus community like i know a lot about it because i think it's interesting to learn about other people who are dealing with different unique circumstances mm-hmm. and who see the world in a different way and for me that's what learning about crime and drugs is about it's like i don't understand something so i want to and and i guess it's because i wish more people would approach my situation like that yeah i wish more people would be open and interested in learning about my circumstances and so in turn i try to do that for other people yeah and it's so true and it's about learning too you you learn so much about so many different people and like you said that's how you become more accepting Mm -hmm. of everyone's circumstances if you just and if we had more acceptance in the world oh my god what a place (laughs) it would be having traveled to so many different places what has been the most life-changing meeting with a person that you have ever encountered i was in the masai mara region of kenya for a month and I worked with a, a 14 year old girl named Cynthia she was in grade 10 and she was super inspiring she lost both her parents to AIDS her aunt adopted her as the youngest of like 10 to 16 other kids living in a cow dung mud hut and she was so determined to like get her education and become a doctor and follow her passion and her purpose and I went there to mentor her and at the end of the day I I felt like she mentored me and I think that's so often how it is when we go out to help others we end up gaining so much for ourselves Mm -hmm. and that's a really great experience to have because it's again you're it's all about something beyond you and yourself and really understanding other people as well is there any question that you wish people asked you more of? You know, I'm just like a 24-year-old girl who, like, <laughs> loves makeup and fashion and dating and talking about boys and, <laughs> you know, all the normal things. And I feel like people get so caught up in, in the heavy part of my story. Yeah. The mental illness, the bullying, the vision loss. And yeah. I'm like, God, I just want to talk about, like, girly stuff. And especially because, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people don't ask me about it because they're like, oh, there's so much more depth to her. And I'm like, no, there isn't. <laughs> I'm a 24-year-old girl, you know, that's that's what I like to share with the world is the fact that I am normal. And even even with makeup and fashion and dating, I can add a unique, different perspective to it. And a perspective I think is important to hear in those industries um, and in those things that in life we don't hear those perspectives about much. Yeah. And, of course, make sure to listen to our extended interview because Molly and I are going to talk about how it is like to date when you have a disability. Girl, so I got this a lot is gonna to say. Fun. <laughs> Molly, so what are you working on currently that's really exciting to you? I'm working on merch, mm. which is super exciting. Um, getting to design my own clothing. I mean, I grew up with like a little binder. It's still in my, my memory box, a little binder from when I was like seven or eight, just page after page of horrible outfits that I drew <laughs> and conceptualized. And now I get to hopefully make less horrible outfits and clothing and accessory pieces for my followers to buy. And with my merch, I even struggle to call it merch because to me it's a lot more than that. Yeah. It's 
a line of clothing and accessories that even if you had no idea who I was, you would look at and like think is cool and want to buy. Ah. That's my goal. Is like you, you, if you know who I am, you see it and you get why I designed it like that. Like it's almost like a little inside joke. Yeah. But if you have no idea who I am, you'd look at it and be like, "That's dope. I want that <laughs> hoodie." <laughs> you have a really great sense of style too, so I can definitely see you do all of those things, and I can't wait. I just to keep see like it. sitting here like playing with my yeah. sweater and like rubbing <laughs> myself because it's so fluffy. Aww. Primark, it's a gem. Yes. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Definitely at my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Molly Burke official, Instagram at Molly Burke official and uh, everywhere else on the internet, Molly Burke Yeah. Thank you, Molly. And I can't wait to celebrate all of these things that we're doing with Johnson and Johnson. And me too. I'm excited for the videos. I'm going to create with them yeah. and see everybody else's creations. I know me too. I can't wait to see your videos. This has been such a privilege to meet you here Thank and to you. learn more about what Johnson and Johnson is doing. And I'm so glad that we are all able to come together for this. Yes. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this interview with Molly. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Molly where she shares how to date as a disabled person. Hey, Offbeat family. I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.